Brought to you by the Appleseed. It's like a regular episode. Only shorter. We call them bites. Thanks for joining us for an Appleseed Bite, a mini episode of the show, a single story long, just a few minutes long, in case you only have a few minutes and you want to fill those few minutes with some great storytelling. We've got something for you today from Adam Booth. But before we get to it, we want to remind you that we bring you a few of these Appleseed Bites each week in preparation for our full hour-long episode drop. That happens every Thursday, that episode, an hour filled with stories for you and your family. And you'll want to join us this coming Thursday as we spend an entire hour with the great L.A. storyteller Antonio Sacre. He came to the Appleseed studio, and we had a great time with our studio audience listening to stories Mostly stories about being a parent. In fact, the recordings made in that visit from Antonio Sacre went on to become Antonio's terrific award-winning album, The World's Second Best Dad. You'll want to join us, and we can't wait to have you with us. In the meantime, I'm thrilled to be joined in the studio by one of our assistant producers, Trent Horton. Trent, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's good to be here. Let's talk about this story. Tell me what we're going to hear. We're going to hear a story called Moses of the Mountains, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's not about Moses, (laughs) but it's about someone who's very much like Moses. (laughs) Um, When uh, Adam finds himself in the mountains, unexpectedly leading a bunch of people trying to find their homeland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you you will instantly see the parallels, right? I yep. mean, the story's built that way by the wonderful uh, Appalachian storyteller and musician, Adam Booth. And again, the story is called Moses of the Mountains, and we're happy to bring it to you as today's Appleseed Bite. Well, around these parts, I've come to be known as Moses of the Mountains. He was about Ten years or so ago, when some of my buddies from college and I decided to take the great American road trip, load up an old van and drive around the country for as long as we could possibly stand it, see this great land that most of us had never seen since most of us had only ever been in West Virginia. And we did just that. We loaded up an old van and set out west, promising ourselves to stop and look at any of the small, unusual, or odd roadside attractions along the way. A few days into the trip, we had made it to the Great Rocky Mountains, and right after we had gotten there, we were heading down one of the highways and saw a sign that said, This way to Buffalo Bill's grave. So I turned the van up the hill, up the mountain, and we went up and up and up, further and further up the mountain, on our way to see Buffalo Bill's grave, but along the way, got a flat tire. So I pulled our van off to the side of the road and went around to the back to get the necessary tools to fix the flat. And as I was digging around the back of the van, I heard a voice come from behind me. Son, you'd be wiser to keep on moving. I turned around and there behind me was the biggest, burliest mountain man I had ever seen which is saying a lot coming from West Virginia. And there on his left and his right were equally big and burly mountain people. The voice came out again. Son, I said you'd be wiser to keep on moving. I, I, I took a step backwards. The whole row of mountain people took a step forward. 
At this moment, all my buddies had taken off running as fast as they could, but I, I, I just couldn't. I took another step back, and those mountain folk took another step forward. I took one more step back and rammed right into the back of the van and fell to the ground. The voice came out again. Son, does that license plate say West Virginia? I, I said, yes, sir, it does. He said, West by God, Virginia? I said, yeah, that's the one. You know it? He said, know it? We are it. Everyone gather around. And all those mountain people gathered around me. He said, listen, folks, this feller here's Ken. I said, what are you talking about? He said, son, you are looking at the 12 lost tribes of West Virginia. Over here on my left, I've got six tribes whose people come from the counties of Wayne, Wyoming, Lincoln, Logan, Mingo, and McDowell. They're known as the Bitumenite tribes. And over here on my right, I've got six tribes whose families are from the counties of Cabell, Putnam, Kanawha, Wood, Monongalia, Jefferson. They're known as the Industrialite tribes. I said, well, this is great, but, but what are you talking about? He kind of chuckled a bit and said, well, see, back in the days of our ancestors, our great-great-great-grandparents, the state capital of West Virginia changed hands quite a few times, and when our relatives went out to pay taxes, they were never quite sure where they were supposed to go to get to the capital, and a number of them got lost on the way, and we've been stranded out here in these mountains ever since trying to find our way home. But seeing that you're from West Virginia, you think that you could take us home? I said, well, I do know how to get back to the homeland, but you're not all going to fit in my van. We're going to have to go by foot. The leader of this group looked to his left, and they nodded at him. He looked to his right, they nodded, and he looked at me, stuck out his hand, and said, you got yourself a deal. The next morning, we woke up, gathered all the necessary belongings that they had, and set on out of those mountains by foot. I was leading those 12 tribes, and we went day after day out of those mountains until we just got to a nice, vast wilderness. There wasn't anything. This was the beginning of the Great Plains. And about this time, we noticed that we were running out of our necessary food supply. Now, it was fortunate for us that we happened upon a great farm that was owned and run by a farmer named John Farrell. And farmer John Farrell was kind enough to let us squat on the outsides of his property and work in his fields in exchange for some of the returns that came in from all of his crops. It seemed like a good deal, so we stayed there, and we worked day in and day out. But by the end of the first week, we realized that we were getting the low end of the bargain. He wasn't giving us anything. So I knew I had to do something about it. At the end of that first week, I woke up early, right as the sun was coming up. As I was standing up, oh, my back hurt from all that work I'd been doing in the field. So I picked up a stick, and I used it as I walked out of our camp, headed across those fields, and went to the edge of the land where Farmer Farrell's farmhouse was. Every morning, he would come out of those big doors on the front and look across at his fields. And I got there just as those doors were opening. As he stepped out, I took that walking stick, I thrust it into the ground, I straightened up my back, and I called out to him, Farrell! Farrell! Let my people go! He looked at me, 
spat in the ground, and said, Get back to work, you hellbilly. Now, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's being called a hillbilly by someone who ain't from the West Virginia mountains. So I went back to where the 12 tribes were. I gathered them all around. I said, listen, folks, have you been keeping up with the ways of West Virginia ever since you've been lost? They said, sure have. I said, do you have a supply of ramps anywhere? They said, sure do. I said, great. Eat up all those ramps. Fix them with potatoes, a little bit of ham, or just eat them raw. But whatever you do, eat as many of them as you can, and eat them as fast as you can. And the twelve tribes set to eating those ramps, and before long their skin began to stink so bad. And not long after that, a great cloud of that stink, that stench, it just rose right up into the air. And that cloud blew forth over Farmer Farrell's land. And as that great stinky cloud went forth, it was so pungent that it killed the first grown crop of of his season, and it also took out the firstborn of all of his livestock. And when Pharaoh came out and saw the plague that had come across his land, he came to us and said, Go, go, get away from my land, but take whatever it is you need. Whatever you do, get away from here as soon as you can. And so we took what food we needed to get us around the rest of our trip and set on the rest of our journey. As the days passed, we would occasionally stop in little towns across the Great Plains. We began to notice that before long we'd stop in a town and it was almost as if the townspeople knew who we were, kind of expected us coming. Then one day we stopped at a town and one of the people there was particularly helpful and said, you all best watch out. See, apparently, Farmer Farrell had reported our activities to the authorities and those authorities were on the hunt for us. As we continued our journey, we were coming within sight of the great Mississippi River one day when one of the members of the 12 tribes turned around and saw there behind us stretching across the horizon from one side to the other an entire fleet of police cars. They were coming after us at top speed, kicking up a great cloud of dust. So we took off running in the other direction, but there was the Mississippi River. And there was no bridge across. What were we going to do? I thought fast and then came up with an idea. I called out, quick, take up hands eight. The 12 tribes formed great square dancing squares. Some of the members pulled out fiddles and banjos and began playing old time music. And I began to call, well, grab your partner, swing around, hold her tight and don't slow down. And the 12 tribes began a great square dance. They danced around and around as that music played. And as they spun around and around, I began to call faster and faster. As they were dancing around and around, out of the center of those squares came great funnel clouds. They were twisting around, and they went over to the Mississippi River and part of the Mississippi right in half. I called, stop dancing, now's your chance. And we took off running across where the Mississippi had been parted. Right when we got to the other side, the funnel clouds dissipated. The water collapsed down below us, and the police were left on the other side. The adrenaline was so great that we kept running and running day after day until we reached the banks of the big sandy river at the far end of eastern Kentucky. The homeland was on the other side. And not just that, there was a great crowd of people on the other side. We crossed the bridge into Wayne County, and when we did, a sheriff stepped forward out of this great crowd of people, said, I need to speak to the person in charge of this group. I stepped forward and he said, would you care to explain the activities of this group of people? 
So I did. I told him how I had found the 12 lost tribes of West Virginia, how I led them out of the wilderness, how we were captives in Pharaoh's land and the plague that came across his land, and then how we parted the Mississippi in half and how I'd finally brought my people home. He looked me in the eye and said, Is that so? Well, I guess you reckon yourself some kind of Moses of the mountains. I looked back at him and said, Well, I don't know so much about that, but I do know that I've brought my people home. Well, our story was on the television news, it was in the newspaper, and before long, people came to know about me. So now whenever people ask, why are you called Moses of the Mountains? Uh, I just sit back and tell them the tale. (laughs) Moses of the Mountains, a story told for you by the Appalachian storyteller Adam Booth. I've been listening to it not only with you, but also with one of our assistant producers, Trent Horton. Trent, thanks for bringing that story to us today. Yeah, of course. Where, where does that story take you? You know, it takes me all sorts of places. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one thing that I really enjoy about that story, um, I think that maybe be is a good thing to learn, is just how ready uh, he is at the beginning of the story to drop everything in his whole life (laughs) to just help these people. You know, he just, he probably had stuff to do uh, beyond his road trip, but instead he just goes with these people and, and, uh, and leads them to West Virginia. (laughs) The promised land. The promised land of West Virginia. I've never been to West Virginia. Anybody who's heard the John Denver song, right? Take me home, country roads. West Virginia's got to be all that, right? Yeah, got to be something special. I'll tell you something. One of the things that occurred to me as I listened to this story in which he compares himself to Moses, right? Mm -hmm. I thought about the shape of a of a life, right? We've been telling stories for long enough as human beings that we've probably captured the shape of most lives in mm-hmm. one story or another. And I think about uh, a question that was asked of me just the other day, which was, which fictional character is most like you? That provided some kind of living room conversation the other day, you mm-hmm. know? And while most people, including me, said, gosh, I don't know when it comes down to it, it got us talking about the stories that we see on television and read in books and and, and see in movies and on stage and, and in folk tales and uh, and in the Bible and and how we and what a useful thing it is to look for yourself in yeah. those stories. Right. Uh, when you look for yourself in those stories, you sometimes find uh, ways to live, you know? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you find ways to validate yeah, yourself right. and be like, you know, that was hard and it was hard for him and that's all right. That's <laughs> right. Know? I'm a little like that and I'm going to make it through somehow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to hear Moses of the Mountains again, told by the great storyteller Adam Booth, and a pleasure to chat with Trent about it. Thanks for joining us. And again, join us this coming Thursday for an episode of The Appleseed uh, featuring Antonio Sacco. We're going to spend the whole hour with that great L.A. storyteller. He's going to fill us with good-hearted, humorous, heartfelt tales about being a parent, and you're going to love it. Can't wait to be with you. I'm Sam Payne. Thanks for joining us. For a bite! Brought to you by the Appleseed.